on all mm-hmm. kinds of of topics. I mean, what do you want to pick? It's in there. According to Wikipedia, environmentalism, endangered species, women's rights, sexual harassment, LGBTQ rights, objectification of women, censorship, civil rights, body image, steroid use, allusions to um, masturbation, uh, drug abuse, racism, uh, peer pressure, indigenous people issues, uh, corporate crime, government interference, parenting, pacifism. Wow. What age do you think it's like minimum age appropriate for 90% of what's going on was going over my kid's head. Yeah. And I mean, even I watched it. I was probably watching this as a kid at like eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there. Welcome to the 42 Podcast, where we discuss life together, looking for answers to life, the universe, and, well, everything else. Here are your hosts, Rob and Lindsay. Hey, Lindsay. How you doing? I'm doing well. Glad to be back. So, you and I have had three weeks of fairly intense conversations. Yes, we have. And I think it's a good thing. We're, we're trying to have these balance of good, serious conversations, but then also kind of wandering off into the world and po- uh, pop culture and podcasting and just having fun. And that's what this episode is, is we're just kind of wandering off and having fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Necessary, for sure. Yeah, I do think it may be fair to give a warning up front with this episode uh, you know I neither you or I at this point have gone through it yet but we're going to be talking about those moments in movies that you know we as adults with children watch and get whoa they made that joke yeah uh, yeah so there's <laughs> possibly going to be conversations about adult topics there's possibly going to be conversations about mature situations and uh yeah we have no idea what's coming other than uh maybe maybe not have your kids in the around or listening before you screen it (laughs) yeah listen first um Mm -hmm. we're not going to be overly crude but we're going to talk about stuff sexy time possibly you never know i don't know (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to talk about things that we've seen in kids' media that are definitely geared towards the adults as subtle nods to parents. Yeah. So, yep. there you go. Be warned. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where else to go with that other than, so what was your movie? I watched Beauty and the Beast, but I also did a little research, too, and just, like, looked around <sighs> on the internet. You did research? A little. I did a little because, um... <laughs> I didn't want to have nothing to talk about. Beauty and the Beast was pretty tame. The only thing that's really in there was... I guess I understood Gaston's creepiness way more. And his yucky, misogynistic behavior. I got that, and I didn't really get that when I was a kid. I just knew he wasn't... He, I just knew he was the bad guy. <laughs> because because of the <laughs> his ridiculous song and so forth. Um, but there is a line that Cogsworth says at one point about they're trying to decide what to give Belle as a gift, and he says, um, um, flowers, chocolates, promises you don't intend to keep, which is, <laughs> obviously, you don't get that when you're a kid, but... <laughs> but you watched you watched Aladdin, and there's a, there's a couple things in there that I can remember just off the top of my head. Yeah, I have to admit, I, uh, I probably got the easier one of the two because Aladdin has Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. And yeah. while there's nothing that goes like directly, oh wow, that was that was dirty. But like, I, I never understood it as a kid. But one of the favorite moments, and, and as a kid, I could quote it, and I didn't understand what I was quoting. But there's a scene where Aladdin, you know, he gets genie out of the lamp, and he's doing all these different impressions, and he starts doing this. Are you talking to me? Are you looking at me? I, you rub my la-? and yeah, I never. 
understood that until it was like years later when I was older and I'm watching Robert De Niro's Taxi. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> um, and there are a bunch of things like that that Robin Williams does with the impersonations and the goofiness and just being an all-around goof that are ties back into... Oh, I don't even remember the game show, and forgive me for mentioning, but it it was like Bill Cosby's game show where the duck came down. It was somebody else's before that. Oh, I don't know. Uh, that's referenced in there. There's um, a handful of different other references from 90s Yeah, that era. kids don't know what they're seeing. They just know that he's. it's funny. They just know that it looks funny, it sounds funny, he's being funny, but we are just laughing nonstop because we get all the references now. <laughs> and I did find that the, I always took it slightly innocently as a kid, but there's a scene where, you know, there are the ladies of uh, Agrabah who are very familiar with Aladdin and it's just... Yeah, they say um, that he looks tasty. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. So, it, Aladdin's not like overwhelmingly oh my, but there are definitely moments that I, as an adult, went, whoa. But I also chose it for a second reason, because mm. I think there's value in some of these moments that create conversation. So when my son was in kindergarten, this would have been like five years ago, six years ago, whatever that math works out to be, we had a family movie night. and My kids had never seen the original Aladdin. And it's one of my favorite Disney. So we watched Aladdin. We did our family movie night stuff. We got pizza and junk food and everybody sat down and we started watching the movie. And there's a scene early on in the movie where Aladdin and Abu steal bread, get chased through the city. And then when they finally get a chance to stop, they're not being chased anymore and eat. Mm -hmm. There are two kids who are digging through the trash looking for food. Mm -hmm. and And it's... Showing a kindness on Aladdin's part, but for some reason that stuck with my son. Hmm. That moment. And he asked a question out of it, which started a conversation of, you know, there are children who are poor. There are children who don't have food, who don't have... And one of the big things for my kids is uh, they're teddy bears. They call them baby teddies. And just saying that there are kids who don't even have baby teddies resounded with with my kids, with my mm. son. And uh, that launched, it was a really, it is a really cool chapter in our family life where we spent about six months because my son really, this really resounded with him and he wanted to do something to try and get teddy bears to give to kids in need. Oh, that's cute. And so we spent six months, we as a family working and we got over, it was like 343 ish teddy bears uh, that we, we got donated to us that we then went out and donated to uh, a local mission here that was able to help and get them to kids in homeless shelters and situations. And it was, it was a really cool chapter of our life that that came about because a, a mature moment of there are kids who are in need was right there on screen and it didn't go over my kid's head mm -hmm. he caught it and he asked questions that led into a hard conversation but one that has had value for us as a family yeah yep that's why movies are so awesome that's why stories in general are awesome because they can create those conversations yep that's totally true are you seriously drinking boring water right now what should you be drinking right now robert it's right here Okay, well... I needed a sip of water. That's Jeez. what I want to see. I don't want to see your thermos thingy. I want to see the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sorry. You have... Uh, I've had a delayed morning. I was running around. We had to take care of my wife's car, go to the bank, and everywhere I went has been line after line. And you've been sitting, waiting, drinking... So gin, patiently. <laughs> while I've been... While I have been... Yeah. Not. I'm a little ahead of you. <laughs> <coughs> oh, wrong pipe. Oh, that was... Oh, and that's the good stuff that it just went down the wrong pipe. <clears throat> oh. That's the smooth stuff. <clears throat> that's That does not bode well for me today. 
So you know what else um, I never understood because I tuned it out because you're so, kind of supposed to tune him out. But in the movie The Lion King, when Zazu um, does the morning report <laughs> to um, I love Zazu. Mufasa, and, and he's making all these hilarious puns about like the animals and being a cheetah and cheetahs never prosper. Remember what I'm talking about? And meanwhile, Mufasa and Simba are sort of having this moment where Simba's going to pounce on Zazu, but that whole bit that he does is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so much better now that I'm a grown-up. So I love Zazu because of that. And oh, camera's over here. Zazu. Uh, he's, this is one of, see, there we go. This is one of my favorite pins that I've collected. It's a Zazu pin because he's a great character. I mean, he's just that comic relief in the background. I like those secondary characters who do that. Like Pumbaa. Um, it was Lion King one and a half where they did that, like, everybody's in a hot tub and talking and uh, reflecting on the movie. Have yeah. you seen that? Yes. Do you remember the scene yes. where Pumbaa gets out of the water and all uh, the bubbles stop? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. And that's uh, one of those yeah. things where kids are going, okay, uh, and yep. adults are going, It's totally understated. Oh. It's understated and hilarious and naughty and fun. It is. And that's that's a great little fun nod in that movie. That was, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are a couple things, well, you know, the, the greatly rumored, much paused scene in the Lion King of what does that dust cloud is really that say? S F X like the effects, or is it S E X? Ooh, look, we're pausing it. Ooh, look, we see. <laughs> I remember that. Pausing it on the VHS. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I was an adult where I was like, all right, I need to just. Is it there? Is this truly there? In my opinion, I think you're all seeing things. Really? I I saw it. I saw it. I I've looked and I'm like, I, just what if not they, buying it? What if they got rid of it when they changed it over to DVD or something? They might have. I just I'm I'm not buying it. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong. I'll find it. You know, I'll if you're an animator for Disney who helped with that scene, and you listen to our podcast, you know, give us a call. I'll find it, a picture of it, and I will send it to you. How about that? <laughs> I have seen pictures of it. So I don't get it. Why don't... I... Because I don't think it is. I think it's, at best, maybe a coincidence. And the human brain is wired to attach, uh, it's, like, faces it's and... No, no, it's no different than... Well, it, it is a little different, but similar to Pixar always having A115 and all their stuff. You know, no, because it's, uh, it's the name of their... 117, isn't it? No. You're right. You're right. I think it's A one one five. It's the 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 number on the door of their whatever studio. One one three. It is A one one three. A one one three. Sure. Exactly. Yes. I think it's like that. It's a signature. Like it's a you know the little artist signature in the corner. Like hey, we're here. We did this. <laughs> we're proud. Which that is one of the things I love about Pixar. Mm-hmm. Is they do those little, you know, can you find it? I mm-hmm. love searching out for um, the pizza truck. The pizza yeah. truck has been in every movie, or the ball, or um, they have nods to future movies. Yes. And, uh, that's what I love. Have you ever... Oh, oh down the rabbit hole. Okay, um, yes. <laughs> have you ever heard of the Pixar theory? No, do tell. Oh, my goodness. This is like, boom. I love the Pixar theory, okay? Mm-hmm. The Pixar theory is that every single Pixar movie is connected. Now, I don't know how... The last one is 2013, so it, it hasn't updated or aged to the current moment, but this is a rabbit hole worth pursuing. If you type into Google Pixar Theory, mm-hmm. and it speculates that the whole of the Pixar universe is connected because of, and this is one of my favorite Pixar movies, Monsters Incorporated, hmm. and not because of the doors... But because of Boo. Her dreams or something? She meets Mike and mm-hmm. Scully. And then she spends the rest of her life pursuing finding Scully again. Sully, but yes. Yeah, Sully. 
I don't want to call him Scully. I'm thinking X-Files here. Um, and it's this really neat interweaving. Like, it, it goes into Brave, where uh, the witch in Brave is actually old Boo. Uh, it goes into... It, it is incredible. I will send it to you. You will go down the rabbit hole on this one. It's Pixar Theory if you want to mm-hmm. Google search it. Uh, I I think it's one of the best things I've ever seen. And I really would love to see Pixar say, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was a rabbit trail. But yeah, Pixar is filled with those moments, both in jokes and... Uh, well, yeah, jokes and <laughs> like the classic scene with Buzz Lightyear the first time he meets Jesse. And his things and his wings go boop. It, yep, don't know what Jesse I don't remember what Jesse said or did, but Buzz is standing there, he gets a shock look, and then his wings go boing. Yeah. And you're like <laughs> subtle, very subtle. Never would have got that before. <laughs> and parents are sitting there going, Uh but did you know that I've noticed that so much in a lot of cartoons? Except, like, the reverse. And listen to this. So, picture any Looney Tunes, old Looney Tunes stuff, when Bugs Bunny is fighting with someone, and there's a sword involved or something, and they're fighting, and the other guy does something ridiculously awesome, and his sword goes... (laughs) You know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about? That's exactly the Uh same thing in reverse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, and... Well... (laughs) Lots of awkward moments. But yes. All right. What else did you get? Or what else do you have? Um, okay. How about this one? In the movie Frozen, when... <laughs> do you know where I'm going? I've only watched it thousands of times. Okay. Uh, which... The one, the, the first uh, one, where Kristoff and Anna are in the sleigh together, and they're talking about foot size <laughs> and how it doesn't matter. Yep. <laughs> foot size doesn't matter. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, what did we, we recently watched Mrs. Doubtfire again, Robin Williams. Cool. We got to see that again. Yep. Yeah. So we rewatched that. And again, I haven't watched this movie since I was maybe, maybe in my teen years was the last time I watched it. And, uh, I'm sitting there and it's one of the scenes where they're like at a fancy restaurant. I think, I don't remember exactly where it was, but, uh, Robin Williams, as Mrs. Doubtfire, is talking to Pierce Brosnan's character, who's trying to date Robin Williams' ex-wife. And and he goes, oh, you'll never compare to the power tool she keeps in the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm sitting there with my kids listening. I'm like, please don't ask, please don't ask, please don't ask. Don't laugh. (laughs) Holy smokes. They snuck that in there? I missed that for a year. Okay. I I saw this really interesting uh, YouTube video. I can't remember who it was by, but they talked about the 10 most influential uh, family movies of the 90s because I was sort of doing... <laughs> I'm trying to compile a list of movies to watch with my kids because like, we have a we have a, a one night a week where one of the kids stays up with mom and dad and we watch a show just oh, like that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we love it. It's really cool to spend time because I have four kids. It's nice for them to spend time with just mom and dad so but the so it was this list of 10 most influential movies and robin williams was in like six of them (laughs) so he is i mean that's and i think that's why i don't know about you but his death impacted impacted me so much it was so sad because he is my childhood he's the voice of my childhood (laughs) he yeah when he died i mean that was that was a hard one i to say laughter died feels like a fair sentiment with that. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, I mean, I, I loved him as Genie. I loved him as Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, Hook. Uh, I loved him. Oh, my goodness. Hook, <laughs> Hook to this day bothers my sister. So, really? The alligator, for some reason, sank deep in her. Caitlin, if you're listening, I'm sorry. But the alligator for her, and I forgot about this. She and I were talking a couple weeks ago, and she brought it up. I'm like, but Hook is such like a childhood classic and favorite. How can you not love it? And she's just like, the alligator. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. But yes, Hook. Robin Williams as Peter Pan, an adult Peter Pan, was great. Uh, did you ever watch Good Morning Vietnam? You know, to my shame, I still haven't seen that. So definitely on my list of movies to watch. 
I was in my late teens, early 20s, and good friends of our family were like, oh, you've never seen Good Morning Vietnam? You need to watch this. Oh my gosh. That is a gem of a Robin Williams movie you have missed. You need to watch it. Um, Patch Adams. Oh, I love Patch Adams. I love Patch Adams. Man. Oh, that movie. That movie got under my skin. <laughs> that movie was so hilarious, but at the same time, uh, a tearjerker. It, it did everything that a movie is supposed to do. It's very but, good. But those are the ones of Robin Williams that I love. Me too. That weave this bittersweet narrative. Okay, Dead um, Poets Society. Dead Poets. Oh, one of that, my, one of that my was favorite a good movies. One. Yeah. That very really inspiring. was a good one. Some of his, I will say, I struggled with some of his darker, creepier ones. Uh, you like, know, uh, what, uh, was what it? dreams one hour may photo. come. Okay, really? Yeah. I think I've seen one hour f- photo. I saw Insomnia. He's in Insomnia. And that was okay. It wasn't, eh, it wasn't anything special, even though it was Christopher Nolan, which is interesting because he's done much better since then. Um, yes. But it was okay. I think I've seen one hour photo. I'm not sure. It, um, it was, but it was what, weird. What dreams may come. I, I visually, it was like, oh, this is entertaining. What's going to happen next? But it was just like only visually entertaining. I did not. I didn't really like that movie very much. It was kind of too weird. But yes, Robin Williams as an actor, he is. I loved him. I miss him. If I could just make a suggestion or a recommendation. HBO did a documentary on him called Come Inside My Mind, and it was really, really good. It was very well done, and I learned a lot about Robin Williams, and definitely worth the watch. Just just saying. Do you know if that's on Max, I suppose? I or... watched it on Prime, I believe. Like, in oh, Prime, okay. you can buy, like, offshoot channels, and I think that's one of the ones oh, yeah. I, I bought for, like, six extra bucks. And I watched that movie and a couple other things, and then I canceled it. Because I'm cheap. It is on It is on Max. It was good. I recommend. Sad. It was very sad. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the arc of his story. Is it's, it's bittersweet. It really is. Uh, but yes, Robin Williams was a huge influence in, in that time, in my childhood, in a lot of people's childhoods. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Cause he, yeah, absolutely. He was just the voice of laughter. In many ways. But moving on from Robin Williams. Mike Myers. Yeah. Mike Shrek? What are we talking about? Shrek. <laughs> well, Shrek is just almost <laughs> almost not a child's movie at all. <laughs> I know. It really runs that razor's edge. You know, the scene where they come up on the castle. Oh, I wonder if he's compensating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, yes. One of the little puppet things that sing the song when you get into... I know. That's what I'm talking about. It's like almost too much. <laughs> oh. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's DreamWorks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is. Uh, but it was good. I mean, it is good. I don't... I think we've watched Shrek as a family, I think. My kids have watched it a couple times, but I'm glad they're over that, because... I'm now questioning yeah. that, but the, the Shreks were good. <laughs> you know what was funny? Um, the little jokes, like in like in Hercules... The little comments like <laughs> indoor plumbing, it's gonna be big and different different little subtle things or like all the um merchandising <laughs> like I don't know if you remember, but when Hercules is really getting famous, they he's got like an action figure and all this stuff and it's sort of a commentary on uh commercialism, maybe? I don't know, but it was very like oh <laughs> I, I didn't understand why it was funny when I when I was a kid. Alright. Maybe you've seen him, maybe you haven't. You either love him or you or you hate him, but Mel Brooks. Yeah, is he the guy who does like Naked Gun? No, no, no. Um like those spoof movies. That's yes, Leslie he, something. Yes. Uh no, it not him. But Mel Brooks did Spaceballs, uh Robin Hood, Men in Tights, uh The Producers. I love The Producers movie. Have you ever seen it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Every time I crack up with laughter, I mean, just you crack up with laughter. Producers, I I Not. <laughs> normally end up on the floor, just in tears because I I love it. Uh, but Mel, anything with Mel Brooks attached, I I'm in. I want to watch it. It's got a commentary on 
you know, society, on norms, on, on, on. And I just, I love Mel Brooks. So, hmm. did you ever see Spaceballs? I think I did, and I'm pretty sure I didn't like it. D- oh, is that this, is that with, um, hold on, Bill Pullman? Is he in that? Okay, I tried to watch that just recently, and I'm like, uh, I don't get why you would like this movie unless you were drunk or high. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> As you pour yourself more. I pour... There. All right. right. So, um, <laughs> Spaceballs is hilarious. I love it. It was an influential movie for me as a teen. Uh, it was one of those just comedies that I couldn't watch enough. Uh, it was right up there with Monty Python's Search for the Holy Grail. Because it's a spoof on... Star Wars. Stuff. On, on, on Star Wars, basically. Yeah. So, I never quite understood one scene in this until recently. And it's in Spaceballs, there's this scene where Mel Brooks always plays a character in his movies. And he played, uh, I think it was Yogurt was his name. It was a spoof on Yoda. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Bill Pullman's characters getting trained in the Schwartz and learning all this stuff. And then suddenly there's this kind of advertisement break for Spaceballs, the merchandise. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. So... It wasn't until like a month or two ago where I was reading through some stuff in this random article and it offered a little brief snippet of history on that moment where George Lucas consented that, you know what, go ahead, spoof Star Wars as much as you want, have fun with it, but you cannot merchandise anything. Because George Lucas had, and this is how he made his money with Star Wars, it was the merchandising. The toys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was very protective of that. And that's why Mel Brooks threw that whole scene in there of just Spaceballs merchandise. Yeah, I can't remember that. It's a cheap lunchbox. We slapped the sticker on it and jacked the price up by 30 bucks. (laughs) And so it was making fun of that moment, that, that piece of Star Wars lore and history. And it was just understanding that, having that like meta moment of, whoa. And I missed all of them. Yeah, that's a good word for it, a meta moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the connection of those dots and just going, whoa. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that might be a, a very good word to describe those moments that you rewatch a favorite childhood movie and go, whoa, <laughs> I missed that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yes. All right. What? Go ahead. Mm-mm. No? Yeah. All right. Here's a random kind of question for you, and you might need a moment to think about it, which is fine. We can return to it. Favorite Disney villain or villains and why? Hmm. Good question. All right. So you can think about that. I'll go first. I have two top favorite Disney villains. And they are Hades out of Hercules. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jafar from Aladdin. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I love them because there's a highlighting of kind of their almost like goofy evil, is how I would describe it. Mm-hmm. Like Jafar is trying to be serious evil, he's just never good at it. Mm-hmm. And Hades is trying to be like, <laughs> I would say, a goofy evil, but he's more of a serious evil. And I just, I, yeah. I love that. And I love their hair. Yeah, word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think I was super fascinated by Ursula as a child. She was really strange and interesting and feminine and masculine at the same time. And really, and the way she talked and her hair and like eating those little creatures. Like she was really dark and interesting. Ursula has to be one of the best most well-developed uh, bad guys of, of Disney. Yeah, I mean, she has a backstory. Right. Yep. You have, like, the old classic Disneys. You have the evil queen who's just the evil queen. She's great, but she's just the evil queen. You don't understand no story. any... Right, and then you right. get to... And I, I think it changes with uh, The Little Mermaid because that's when you start developing even the bad guy a little bit. Where Ursula, and I I really do see her as that transition, which I love her. She's not one of my favorites, but I love her because Mm -hmm. you go from a bad guy who's just comically bad 
to a bad guy who there's a degree, just a hair of sympathy because they have this backstory. So now you're invested. Yeah. She's been wronged in some way, some, you know. Yeah. Yep. Very interesting. And I've heard that she was modeled after a drag queen, actually, which is why she <laughs> kind of sort of acts the way she acts, like super over the top. And like, I, I love the way she moves, you know, with her eight legs. She just moves so interesting. Just, I love it. I could see then, that. I've never heard that before. That's interesting. Yeah, do some, uh, just plug it in there on, on, where was I watching? I can't remember. Oh, I think it was like a history or a documentary on trans people in, in Hollywood. And uh, I thought that was really, really cool. Hmm. Very interesting. So, and I always liked Scar. Scar, when we played, oh. my sisters and I would play Lion King all the time, and I loved to be Scar. And um, According to Google... Ursula's appearance was largely inspired by American actor and drag queen Divine, who is best known for his frequent appearances in several films directed by filmmaker John Waters. Mm-hmm. That's according to Google and, you know, 30 seconds of typing. But that's interesting. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. I think one of my favorite villain songs is Scar's song, Be Prepared. Oh. I, did you I watch the remake song. of... Um, of the Lion King, did you watch that? I didn't really like it. I stopped watching it. Okay, yeah. For me, the remake when they like whatever they did with that song, and it was just, bleh, I. That's the point where I was like, I'm done. Yeah. You don't have that song. You don't get Scar's depth because that song is terrifying, and it hits this collective idea built into the psyche third reichish i know right? and then like you're like oh. hitlerish yeah and you're like oh this this dude's really gonna screw it up and then they redo the whole thing and you're like so that's not even in the remake uh no i think it is in the remake but it's not like the terror like for for me yeah. if i was doing that remake that would have been the one scene i say we have to redo shot for shot like it has yeah. to be this way if it is not this way in some way we're gonna lose it yeah and and i think that's for me the music of the lion king and them not redoing that scene killed the remake so the lion king is you probably know this because you're a smart dude but um the lion king is loosely based on hamlet it's basically the story of hamlet oh i love it and (laughs) i like the weight of that scene because it's very military it's very like he has he has thousands of hundreds of hyenas at his beck and call and in that scene you really feel (laughs) that military connection and i so i just like that weight the weight of that scene is profoundly good (laughs) what's that look on your face (laughs) are you okay yes i am okay uh (laughs) Sorry, there are, so Shakespeare is, <laughs> I guess we should actually even include Shakespeare in this, because when you go back and uh, look at some of his stuff and the subtlety, but those moments where you're like, oh, oh my gosh, uh, taming oh, of yeah, a shrew, definitely. I mean, <laughs> yep, and, and Romeo and Juliet, quite frankly, oh like gosh. the role of the nurse is super dirty, and that's why it was in there for comic relief, really dirty. <laughs> And hilarious. So, absolutely. And it's woven throughout our storytelling. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, part of me, you said that, and I'm. there are Shakespeare quotes that I love. And they're, you know, they're the traditional quotes that most people can get. But uh, they're just like, you know, goosebumpy, skin-crawling moments. And I can't remember it, mm-hmm. but one of them was Patrick Stewart. And oh yeah, I can't. I think it was Macbeth. Macbeth. Yeah, he did an excellent Macbeth. When when they did a like it was a modern dayish kind of version of Macbeth yes. with him. Oh, I, and, I loved it. Uh yep. The 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 quote right there, and I, I'm blanking on it, but it's you know his wife has just passed, and he's having this monologue of reflection, and I I I'm blanking entirely on that quote. Uh so I'm trying to Google it to remember. But yes, watching that scene with Patrick Stewart saying it, and it's very underplayed. It's very quiet. 
But then you have these kind of soft rumblings of the war that's going on in the background. And it is just a incredible scene. It gives me goosebumps when I watch it. Patrick Stewart, uh, Sir, well, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, Sir Ian McClellan, when they do anything Shakespearean, like at the beginning of Quarantine, one of my favorite Twitter yeah. accounts to follow was actually Patrick Stewart because he was reading a Shakespearean sonnet a day. And he would sit down with a glass of wine or in a new location or wherever, and he would sit down and he would read these sonnets. And they were just beautiful and amazing to listen to him reading them. Oh, there it is. Life is but a player strutting and fretting his moment upon the stage. I'm butchering the quote, but sorry, just click. Yeah, yeah. Macbeth is one of my favorites, I think, for sure. Wow. <laughs> Actually, I guess, I don't know. We're not doing a production of Macbeth, but should we be referring to it as a Macbeth or the Scottish play? Well, I think it's okay because we're not actually going to be performing it, so we don't have to worry about our legs being broken or anything. <laughs> <laughs> or the theater burning down. <laughs> that was one of the that was one of the neat things I learned in I did two musicals when I was in high school. And the superstitions of theater was one of the coolest things that I learned in that time mm -hmm. period because it's there's a lot of tradition there. And how you engage with theater, how you produce, how you do. It was just neat. Mm -hmm. I was also that snot-nosed sure. little teenager who's running around going, hee hee hee, we're making a thing, Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. <laughs> and my theater teacher's running around, you say that again, I'm gonna... Okay. <laughs> Random side trail. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what movie I loved when I was a kid is, um, and it's got some pretty weird scenes is the hunchback of notre dame there's this scene where frollo um after he's sort of snubbed by esmeralda and he has her scarf and he's got that super dark scene where he's basically like if i can't have her nobody no will can. and oh that's a creepy creepy scene and i i knew it was scary when i was a kid but i didn't understand how sexually loaded it was it was well that whole movie i mean the the idea of gypsy culture and the implications that came with it in that era in that time period and you're going against the european oppression and you have these gypsies who are just kind of free-willed and spirited and dance for the fun of it mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. that whole bit yeah. is truly lost in you know, how you watch it as a kid and then you watch it as an adult, you're like, oh. You see, yes. Even the Feast of Fools in the movie, I I don't know if that's a real thing. I should... I think it is a real thing. I think it's a real thing. I mean, it would make, yeah, Feast of Fools. But I mean, even then, that and the idea of allowing, allowing is maybe not the right word, but a, a moment of throwing off the oppression and allowing for celebration, which... <clears throat> I guess you could even look at that and see that within our own culture expressed with Fat Tuesday and Mardi Gras. I don't know Fat Tuesday. <laughs> you, you do know Mardi Gras, okay? Right? I do know Mardi Gras, Okay. Yeah. So going into Lent, going into that time frame, there's this kind of neat series of events that happen. And one of them is expressed in Fat Tuesday where... It would be the day of, okay, we're going into this time of meager and solemn. So we're going to get rid of all of the really good foods, which implied get rid of the bacon grease. So we're going to fry everything up on one day. <laughs> so for where I'm at, um, Fat Tuesday could maybe be best expressed as Donut Day. Mm -hmm. Because there's, you know, there are lines at some of the Catholic churches in this area that make the really yeah. good Fosnot donuts. Really? I don't know any churches that make donuts. <laughs> in this area, that's, <laughs> a, go there. that's a big thing. In this area, is, is there are lines for Fosnots at the Catholic churches. I don't get the Fosnots. They're just plain donuts to me. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go to the donut store. But yeah. that's part of Fat Tuesday is we're getting rid of the grease. We're getting rid of that deep fried food. 
for this time period going into Lent. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, you have Mardi Gras, which is that final celebration, that final, okay, we're going into Lent, get the celebration out of your blood now, because for the next 40 days, it's somber. Is that what Mardi Gras is, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mardi okay. Gras is the last, it's like... I don't remember what the translation of it is, but it's like the last party, the party of parties, to get it out of your system for the next 40 days. Oh, okay. Which is why in... I knew it was interesting. Yeah, which which is why it can be... Not can be. Which is why it's gotten wilder and wilder over the years in... Uh, is it St. Louis? I think it's St. Louis. Uh, um, New Orleans. New, New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Wait, isn't that a state? New Orleans. No, it's not a state. It's a city in Louisiana. My people. All right. The French. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A repressed people, apparently. Yeah, very repressed. Very good at (laughs) resistance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Huguenots. (laughs) But, I mean, that's, you know, that that is part of it. I guess Feast of Fools might even be part of that. I wonder if there is a connection. That would be worth researching, Mm -hmm. though. Mm -hmm. There you go. Random rabbit trail of... No, good. It's good. It's fun. <laughs> so, what what about um, Emperor's New Groove? Did you like that? Remember that, remember when that came out? <laughs> oh, yes. We watched that so many times. I I enjoyed that movie. That was a fun movie. That was just a. It wasn't mm-hmm. like the best Disney movie, but it was just a fun Disney movie. Super fun. I think it was the first time they had a pregnant lady in one of their movies. John Goodman. Yeah, his the- wife. The, the wife was pregnant and they'd never really shown that before and I thought she was so adorable <laughs> yeah I don't remember his wife's when name to- but yeah I hmm, I don't know yeah I'm pretty sure it was the first time and the kids are so funny I love whenever he's in something Patrick Warburton War- Warburton there we go oh yeah the guy who plays um, Kronk the Kronk yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> I, when he's in something I love him like did you watch I think it was a Netflix. Yeah, it was. Uh, Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events on Netflix. Did you watch that? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I loved it. My kids got into it with me, and how he narrated that and how he interacted with it was perfect. <laughs> I felt like it fit perfectly yeah. with the books, and it, it was just, it was it was amazing. And, and I really <laughs> yep. loved him in that. I love him as Kronk. Him as Kronk and that dry wit that He's he brings so good. is hilarious. Um, <laughs> the ain't the, the, the where he's uh, got his good angel and his bad angel, and they're arguing about what to do <laughs> with um, with I can't I can't think I can't think of any names right now. No names. Cusco. They can't think of. He can't think. He doesn't know what to do with Cusco. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. And okay, I just gotta bring attention to the scene where um, Isma. Um, is trying to find Cusco, and she's at what's his name, Pasha Pasha's house, Pasha. Okay. Paca? You know the guy with the John Goodman's the, character. The dude. Yeah, yeah, and um, they get locked in the closet, and she says, "Tell us where the talking llama is, and and we'll burn your house to the ground." And <laughs> and Gronk's like, "Don't you mean or? Uh, tell us where the talking llama is, or we'll burn your house to the ground." <laughs> and the little girl's like. Well, which is it? That sounds like a pretty crucial conjunction. <laughs> of course, you would find the English jokes funny. It's so funny. And because it's a little girl saying it, too, it's just so funny. If I may <laughs> ask a direct question. Oh, yes, you certainly can. Have you at any point ever been considered a, um, eh, I guess I'll just use the term, but grammar Nazi? Actually, I'm not that good at grammar. Really? Really. Yeah, I I love English, I love reading, I love literature, and I know the obvious things, but I'm not actually a grammar Nazi, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. curious, because... I'll let, I'll let you be. I won't correct it unless it's, like, super obvious. <laughs> yeah, uh, my grammar Nazi is Neanderthal-like. Uh, I use words, words go boom, big, make sound. <laughs> That's like the extent of my English training here. But apparently, you know, never mind. <laughs> it was good enough to get two master's degrees. <laughs> or maybe my wife's editing of my papers was. Thank you, my lovely wife. I wrote them. She read them. You gotta have an editor. <laughs> yes. Uh, Emperor's New Groove, though, has several, 
several of those adult joke moments, several of those kind of breaks to to the parents. Like, <clears throat> forgive me for bringing this one up, but there's the scene where uh, Yzma and Kronk are out camping, and Yzma's got this like grand tent, and then he's got this little tent strategically placed with no poles and you're like yes yes (laughs) and i didn't get that when i was a kid for sure but again you watch that as an adult with your kids and you're like what 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 okay moving right along yeah yeah let's just keep watching the film (laughs) yeah oh and i love oh I, that movie. That movie was so fun. Just a fun movie. <laughs> well, okay. So, classic with strong opinions on either side. Alright? Okay. And I yep. will judge you based on your opinion. But. Noted. Willy Wonka and the Charlie... Char- ah. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I didn't love it. The The remake? Or the original? Sorry. I screwed up because I was thinking of the remake while saying Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, so I almost said Charlie. But yes, the original. The not remake. the remake. The original. The original. I, liked the, I liked the original. I It wasn't something that like we watched over and over again, but it was pretty fascinating. Like the, the whole land of chocolate. Like the land that was made of candy in the beginning, and then that super creepy tunnel scene. <laughs> like, I have no idea what that was scene was about, but it, it was really scary. <laughs> you know what's great is they actually didn't tell the actors what was about to happen in that. And then mm-hmm. they just floated them in on the boat, did that whole scene, and their reactions are actually genuine terror. Yeah, like, what's happening? <laughs> I, why Why does this feel so unsettling? <laughs> remind me of that. I think I've referenced this before, but I, remind me of moments that actors are tortured um but there's even a moment in willy wonka several moments in willy wonka where you know again they kind of have this subtle it's a little more subtle than some disney movies but there's a scene where willy's talk or yeah willy's talking to one of the parents and candy is dandy but liquor is quicker (laughs) yeah okay wouldn't have got that no (laughs) yeah again you don't get that as a kid and then you're like oh okay uh yeah but yeah, there's yep. that. There's the moment of, of the tunnel scene where even adults to this day are terrified of. Like, my wife will get out, just stand up, walk out of the room in that scene and get snacks. And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> it's just a boat ride. It's a little twisted, but yeah. it's a boat ride. I, it didn't bother me as much. I don't know yeah. why. But yes, there's that. So have you heard of, like, pop culture moments where directors have tortured actors yeah, um, I know, like, with E.T., mm-hmm. the Steven Spielberg did some told Drew Barrymore that her puppy died or something like that to get a response out of her, and she cried in the scene because of that. I, I think that was one. I could be making that one up, but that's what I heard. And then there's another one. I think it was The Goonies where Sean Astin's character gets stuck or something, and that was real. That was a real thing. And he just recorded. <laughs> just kept rolling. <laughs> But I can't wait for my son to watch The Goonies. That'll be fun. You know, you're saying that, and I haven't watched that with my kids yet. I need to. Hey, you guys! Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, one of my favorite moments out of movie history of just actors being tortured by directors is the original Aliens movie. Have you seen it? Yes. I think I fell asleep. You fell asleep in... <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So I, f- I did. I fell asleep, I think. But I fell asleep before the scary things happened, which is probably... I think it was just getting good when I fell asleep. Uh, all right. So <laughs> I love the original Aliens franchise. I love where they were doing with it, the Sigourney Weaver arcs that they did with it. It got weird at the end. It, it always gets weird at the end of arcs. But that first movie has an incredible scene, one that has been spoofed in Spaceballs, one that has been just written into the collective memory of anyone who's ever watched or engaged with the Alien series. And it's the first time you see an alien burst out of the chest of a character. All right? Yeah, yeah. So what's really great is John Hurt, who is the actor that has the alien burst out on first time ever in a movie. All right? 
John Hurt and the director coordinated this scene. They didn't tell any of the other actors what was about to happen. They didn't tell them what kind of scene they were walking into. So they had them all offset. They rigged up John Hurt with the device that would cause his chest to burst open and this thing to come out. And they, they set the stage for it. They brought in all the other actors. They said, okay, here's what we're going to do. It's going to be a dinner scene and you're going to be doing da, 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 da. It's going to be. And then suddenly as this dinner's going on, John Hurt starts, you know, holding his chest and the actors start responding to that. They think he's having a heart attack. And there's actually, I don't remember who it was, but one of them breaks character and is going, John, are you okay? John, are you? And then suddenly, you know, they all get splattered with blood and this thing bursts out of his chest as John's like, ah, and they all, oh my gosh. the reactions in that moment are genuine because they have no idea what's going on. They're terrified, but it, it made for one of the most iconic film scene moments in, in history, in my opinion, but no, you're right. You know, a yeah. neat little aside of, of John Hurt and whatnot. He is one of the most killed on screen actors of all times. He's got a lot of death scenes. Is he killed more often than than Sean Bean? I, I, Sean Bean may pass him, <laughs> but he's got a lot of death scenes. He's also, <laughs> for all of you Whovians out there, he is my favorite version of the Doctor. You watch Doctor Who? I tried. Oh. Okay. I just wasn't really into it, All but right. I only, but right. I think I only no, watched an episode or two. We're done talking. Yeah. Okay. Bye. <laughs> you got to get past the first season. It does get better. Chris Eccleston is a good doctor. He just didn't have good writers. That's my opinion. But mm-hmm. John Hurt is an amazing actor as well, and he's always brought that subtlety into his acting. Where I, I don't feel uncomfortable with my kids watching some of his movies. My kids haven't watched Aliens yet, but I look forward to the day I can with my own, with my son. We're getting close yeah. to that that point of sci-fi horror. Is about to. How old is he? Ah, uh, he's eleven. Eleven, yeah, eleven's good. Eleven's good. My son's eight, so we're just we're gonna watch Pirates of the Caribbean uh, next week, and he's never seen a movie like this before. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious if it's gonna be a little too much. <laughs> So I, I, it's so fun. We, we've done Pirates of the Caribbean, but I'm figuring, I'm going with about the age that I started engaging with this stuff, which was right around 13. You know, my my aunt uh, and my uncle are big movie people, and they're the ones who mm-hmm. got me engaged with this stuff. I, they're the ones who I have the blame for my my love of Star Wars, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I mean, they're they're the ones who gave me lists of movies to watch to understand. Yeah. Is, these are classic, even like class or B grade sci fi movies. You need to watch, and because uh, it's a part of our culture. Yeah, it's definitely. Yep. Oh yeah. So you know, I mean, For that's sure. that's where that love came in. But even then, going back and and doing that with my own children, going back and watching movies, and it really is fun finding these moments. Yeah. yeah well. I agree. I watched, um, I think I said this before on this, on the podcast, but my son watched Jurassic Park and when people ask him what his favorite part was, he tells people it was the part where the lawyer got eaten off the toilet. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that's the part I made him close his eyes on, but maybe he peeked. So, (laughs) because I, you gotta peek, (laughs) you gotta peek. Sorry. You just have to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was, that was a great movie. It really was. Um, mm-hmm. my friend and I used to speculate that the, <clears throat> the lawyer in that scene, what really happened is, you know, he got eaten off the toilet and swallowed by the animatronic and then was just on the inside with whoever was piloting, having fun chasing the other actors. That was our guess. <laughs> uh, That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> now, as I've gotten older, I've come to understand, okay, it wasn't that kind of animatronic where you get to wear a dinosaur suit and chase people, but still... It would have been cool. <laughs> there you go. That would be really yep. cool. Think about that. You make and design a military mech that is a T-Rex that you can run around on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Forget tanks. T-Rex mechs. That's what we're going with. <laughs> I'm engaging my 10-year-old self here. Dang it. Ah. <laughs> oh. Good stuff. I guess last bit. Um... 
we have recently been watching as a family. Do you remember the Dinosaurs TV show? I wasn't allowed to watch that, I don't think. Yeah, I think my mom didn't like it, but my mom didn't like a lot of things. <laughs> Actually, on that note, um, what? so you weren't allowed to watch Dinosaurs as a kid. What other like shows were a no-go for you? Um, Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles, uh, Buffy. Wasn't allowed to watch Buffy, but that was a little older, but still wasn't allowed to watch it. Stuff like that. She was pretty nervous about magic. Magic was scary. Power Things Rangers, like Ninja Turtles. That and was... I, I don't understand what I don't understand why she didn't like dinosaurs. I think because it was crass. Maybe she didn't like it because it was crass. She doesn't like crass things either. Actually, no. <laughs> I, I've really come to understand that a little bit more um, as we've watched it as a family. But I'll get to that in a moment. But Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles. That was like my childhood. I yeah. mean, those were two big shows and influences. That and Batman. I love Batman. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I watched Batman. I liked Batman. I liked Spider-Man and X-Men and stuff like oh, that. Oh, Spider-Man was fun. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so, so those were good. I never watched Buffy. I I wanted to. I thought it was like what the cool kids watched. I didn't care. <laughs> now, the show that I was not allowed to watch, I was like 18, my sister's 8, and I was still not allowed to watch, was The Simpsons. Okay, yep. I wasn't allowed to watch that either. <laughs> my sister's 8, and she's watching The Simpsons, and my mother's like, no. I think at that point it just became a, I haven't allowed you to watch it. I'm not going to allow you to watch it. I'm just going to troll your life. I love my mother. <laughs> I love you, Mom. <laughs> Same. Love you, Mom. <laughs> but that's that's what it felt like. Uh, and, and as an adult, I have finally sat down. And that's why I got Disney Plus initially was, okay, I can watch all of The Simpsons. And I did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched some. I've watched some, and I'm like, hey, okay. It took it huh. took me like four months <laughs> to watch them all, and I'm like, oh man, I'm so tired of the Simpsons. You watched thirty seasons, thirty seasons of it. I did. Oh my gosh. And by like season ten, I'm like, I'm so tired of the Simpsons, but I'm a completionist, and I just have to finish. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. I still love the Simpsons, but it was definitely a period of time that was just. Are you gonna let your kids watch it? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I, I really wish I could say yes on that, but the answer's gonna be no. <laughs> I, when when my son's a little bit older, yeah, he'll probably watch it. But right now, no. <laughs> that aside, um, the dinosaurs. There it is. So okay. we have been watching that as a family and holy smokes there's a lot of stuff that i missed in that as a kid like as a final moment of reflection on the things that we missed that whole show is a conversation starter on all Mm -hmm. kinds of of topics i mean what do you want to pick it's in there racism it's in there i there's a whole section of war between group a of dinosaurs which are the two-legged dinosaurs and then there's a the four-legged dinosaurs who were at war against and they are these horrible dinosaurs and there's this and and it's what they play into is there's this propaganda section that runs of how we're vilifying the other group and we're watching this and i'm like how did i miss this as a kid wow what age do you think it's like minimum age appropriate for 90 percent of what's going on was going over my kid's head yeah. And I mean, even I watched it. I was probably watching this as a kid at like eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there. And I remember the shows, but I didn't remember the core of the topics. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's racism. There's uh, equality of genders. There is uh, LGBTQ plus issues. There's... Uh, puberty growing into being wow. whoever you are I, there's a whole slew of things in there that are just give it a shot huge huge things um that that i i entirely missed in sorry i'm trying to pull up a website that lists all of the topics so all right according to wikipedia Environmentalism, endangered species, women's rights, sexual harassment, LGBTQ rights, objectification of women, censorship, civil rights, body image, steroid use, allusions 
to um, masturbation, uh, drug abuse, racism, uh, peer pressure, indigenous people issues, uh, corporate crime, government interference, parenting, pacifism. Wow. And, and a lot of these, as we've been watching, I'm just sitting there going, wow, okay. So it's well written. Is it well written, too? Yeah, I mean... Or is it pushy? Uh, it, I don't think it's pushy. I really don't. I think it's trying to address the topics kind of almost from a family perspective of it's the family sitting and wrestling with these different topics as they happen in their lives. So what does that look like? How does that affect them? How does that interact and change what they hold, believe, or do as a family? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the end of the episode, mm-hmm. there's always that reset of, okay, now it's just, it's back to the same thing for next week, but it's it's a new topic. It's a new wrestling. It's fascinating how how that show was something that my parents felt okay to watch, but it's presenting issues that are incredibly deep to discuss as a family. That's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and I'm... I knew some of this going in and watching, but I, I didn't know the full depth of everything that they would tackle. Uh, and some of it I agree with, some of it I don't. And that's I think that's fair to say. That's life. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, that's fine. Yep. <laughs> cool. That, that was a mind-blown moment of very subtle and good writing. All right. <laughs> yeah. I was... At the beginning of the episode, I was like, how are we going to... F- this is going to be like a 15-minute long episode. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> now we're at an hour and six minutes. <laughs> so, cool. We did it. Yeah, to- We were entertaining, maybe, uh, for an hour. <laughs> it was a good rabbit-trailing media discussion and things we've seen and interacted with as parents. Yeah, fun. Yeah. So, and, hey, it's good. But... It's good. Before we finish, okay... Sure. Yes. Next week, because we're going to talk about it and, yeah, roll with it. We're reading a book. I have a confession. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) My book was on my nightside table. Uh Uh-huh. And I read a bunch of stories Uh from it, and now it's gone. And I don't know where it went. Okay. But I read, like, the first four or five stories, which were very good. All right. But I'm just going to say, I have no idea where the book went. Well, just as a refresher, what's the name of the book? Different Seasons. Is that what we're reading? Different Seasons? The what, It's a bunch of novellas. A bunch of bunch of short stories. By Stephen King. Four, is it Four Past Midnight or Different Seasons? I own the book, so I don't. I didn't really pay attention to the, to the <laughs> title. <laughs> okay. Do you have the book? Do you have the book? No. I figured I would read it the week before we talked about it, so I haven't gotten the book yet. Um, yeah. All right. Let's let's check online. Um, <laughs> thank you to the wonders of editing to cut out some of the dead space. I'll look online because I bet I can. Do, do, do. It was... Yeah, it was, it was either... Oh, Nightmares and Dreamscapes, maybe? That sounds right. Hold on, let me see what's in here for short stories, because I'll... Good old Wikipedia. Um, yep, it was it was a different season. I mean, nah, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. And I read five... Five of them. Okay. And I gotta find them, maybe? But that's a lot to read. I mean, it's... It's 816 pages, so I don't think you're gonna read it <laughs> all. Maybe read, like, the first couple, because it's just fun. It's just fun stuff. You want to take a bet on how much I'll get read? Oh, yeah, I forgot you work from home. <laughs> I work from home, and I do audiobooks. Oh, yes. Because, <sighs> honest moment of confession, post-seminary, Yeah. I still struggle picking up to read books. Like, yeah. that was a love of mine for the longest time. Of I would just chew through books, and I still do, but sitting down to read them... It doesn't happen as much as I'd like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I do audiobooks, which is fine. I mean, I I had to do car work yesterday, so I put an audiobook on that was 12 hours long. I think I have, like, three left. So I, I'll i knock a book out while I'm doing stuff. Uh, wow. 
because I, I enjoy it. The trick is remembering the stories so that we can talk about them. If I do it within a week, I can normally engage pretty well. Yeah. So, I, it's this. When you gave me the original recommendation of reading The Stand, and that was like a 60-hour audiobook. Mm-hmm. That's... I think I did it in about a week and a half, roughly. And there there are chunks that are missing, but I, I still got the whole arc of the story, and Randall Flagg is terrifying. Yeah. But... Yep. <laughs> yes. It was, it was a good entry into. Yeah. Anyways... So, all right. So, Stephen King, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. I will... Ooh, Tim Curry reads this one. Ooh. He's one of the readers. There are uh, a few of them, but that'll be fun. Okay. Sweet. (laughs) All right. So, we're going to talk about that next week and uh, engage in that. And then we'll figure out some of our episodes moving forward. What's up? Not being here Saturday morning, which I'm so sorry I forgot to tell you. Okay. Uh, what if we... You could do your own. You you could go solo. (laughs) (laughs) March might be a bit of a weird month for podcasting, but we'll we'll make it work. All right. All right. Okie dokie. Thanks. Hey, thank you. It's been a good conversation. (laughs) It has. And this is one of the easier times to ask outside of your abysmal movie choices and dislike of Spaceballs and Monty (laughs) Python. Are we still friends? Yes, we are. Yeah, we got to work on your comedy choices. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. So, all right. It's been a good conversation, Lindsay. It has. So, I'll see you later. Yep, we'll see you. Thank you for listening to the 42 podcast. Please take a moment to like and subscribe and if you want to join in on the conversation you can find us on facebook and twitter to add your voice to the conversation thank you